Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for returning to our podcast, Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time. We are so glad that you can find us on Edify Podcast Network, on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Player FM. And of course, you can watch us on YouTube. We uh, love to see to receive your questions and uh, your comments, so send them to us. We uh, love um, everything that we can train you to be a strong and courageous leader, and we love what you are doing, what you become part of our podcast. We, uh, For those of you who are new, we started this podcast because many of my readers, uh, you might know the book, Saving My Assassin. Um, you can buy it at virginiaprodanbooks.com slash product slash book. But many of my readers contacted me and asked me to help them to be strong and courageous as our society is changing. So we are here to train you. So um, ask us any questions you might have. Our podcast also developed in inviting strong and courageous leaders that will share with us their contribution to freedom, to God's values. And today we have a very special and courageous leader, Gregory Sells. Uh, he is the executive director of Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. I have to say, Gregory, I am so grateful you are here. We have been known each other for a few years and we became friends. Your beautiful wife is absolutely amazing and she has her own ministry. So I had her on my podcast and you are married and you have one daughter. But I have to tell you, your bio is absolutely amazing. It will take me hours to tell people everything. You have been everywhere from Canada to Dallas to California, you name it. And you have done amazing things. So I will let you introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about you. Well, uh, first of all, thank you, Virginia. It's great to be on your podcast with you, and uh, we really enjoy you too. So uh, it's an exciting thing to be uh, partnering and teaming up with you in the kind of work we have to do. Listen, um, I've all, I've just been a, I've been an urban a church planting pastor all my life: New York City, South Central Los Angeles, Dallas. And then I began to realize that we needed courageous leaders, both in the church, uh, in the, the, the laity, both in the leadership. I've trained people for urban ministry all my life, too, so for 11 years anyway, out in California. And this notion of having the courage to speak the truth in love for others, not for ourselves, not to defend ourselves, but to speak the truth because the truth is what sets people free. That's what's now driven me to Washington, D.C., to protect the church's public voice in the in the public square. So I've been an evangelist on radio, uh, but now I'm protecting the voices uh, that speak the truth in love. And, and that's what I do here in Washington, D.C. That is so true because the reality in our country is changing. Uh, right. We need that. We need that very much. I want to ask you, I met several people 
saying, oh, I admire what you are doing. And I'm sure they admire you for, for what you are doing, just watching you right now. But they will say, I don't have what you have. Uh, because they expect that when you start, you have to have the blueprint. I know that's not the case. Can you develop on that? Yeah. And, you know, that's always been a troubling thing to me. They, they feel like, you know, God can only get his work done through experts. And I always try to tell them, no, if you look even in the scripture, God has always chosen the nobodies, uh, the least, uh, because when he chooses the nobodies and makes them somebody, then everybody can know that God is at work in their lives. And so I always tell people, you're exactly who God wants you to be. Now, become a better version of yourself. I'm not saying that you don't have to grow and mature. But this notion that I can't be um, the voice of God's truth, the voice of the biblical truth, I can't do that until I'm somehow granted expert status by the world in which we live. Uh, it's never been that way. So... I just tell people, you'd be surprised at how, how ready you already are, but you do have to be dependent on God. You got to be dependent on his word. There's no doubt about that. Um, you and I both know that, right? I mean, we've been in situations where, gosh, if I just would have known better, if I would have been more, if I had read more of the scripture about these kind of things, well, over time, you become better and better and better at that. But that's the point. Um, be confident. I say it this way. Um, Christians brag about God even when we're very unsure of ourselves. And so, folks, don't wait to be that person. Once you start to jump in, relying on God and his word, you become more and more competent and uh, pray for courage because that's the real struggle. That is so true. In other words, what I hear from you is this, and we both know so well. To be a leader, you have to be a follower of Christ. That's right. You have to follow him and try through the Holy Spirit, to the power that he gives you, to the skills that he already put in, in your life and influence in your sphere of influence to do his will in your life. It's not about you. And many times I said, I'm under five feet tall. It's not, <laughs> it's yes. not at all. It's about <laughs> God in me who performs miracle and also each person who will trust God and do God's will will experience miracles in them and through them. Yeah, and I, I think I, I said it this way because I used to train people for urban church planting leadership and you and I both know our cities are very antagonistic to you know, orthodox Christianity, to faithful Christianity. And so I used to say, you're going to walk into a buzzsaw. You're going to walk into buzzsaws and the leadership. And the, that's where I got involved in politics in New York, trying to keep it at bay so I could keep my ministry in the cities and in the neighborhoods going. And I said, once you begin to realize that oftentimes you get reduced to just you and the, and the teachings and the, and the relationship you have with Christ, but once you realize that's all you need, then things change because then you're not afraid of the most powerful person in the city. You're not afraid. You know, we had Bible studies on Wall Street. There were guys that we had in that Bible study that could have bought and sold me many, many times, but they had the same need that I have, which is a relationship to God that only God could do through his son, Jesus Christ. And so eventually you develop a, well, either that's true and I'm going to be less fearful or maybe even more fearless or that's false. 
Well, once you realize you know it's true, you're not afraid of any of the powers that be around you. But that that can scare people. I'm not saying that there's not fear in the world and that there's not times when I've even been afraid. But you and I both know those are the times when our faith casts out that fear. Absolutely, absolutely. And every single circumstances that we encounter in, la- in life, it's a, a test and also a lesson uh, from, from God that will develop our soul and our, our power to walk. Many times I, I, I say that it's the truth. We don't develop our muscles by exercising once a year or once a month or something. But when you start reading by God's word and you learn who you are and who your God is, you start to see the fear going away gradually from your life. And like you said, you are not afraid of who is leading the city or who is leading the country and so forth. Right. Yeah, we had this, uh, you know, our church, the Lutheran Church, uh, you know, Martin Luther is the is the founder, if you will, of our movement, but he, he never wanted it to be named after him. It was always about the gospel. It was about justification by grace through faith in Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. But I always love it. I said, once you start to realize what he was struggling with, how could God work through someone, a simple monk like him, you start to develop, like you said, the capacity in Christ to do these things, the tenacity in Christ to do these things. And I like to say the veracity, which means you've got something truthful to tell that's not dependent on you. In fact, sometimes you'll look like a fool for Christ because people can look at you and say, you're no different than me. And the answer is you're right. Uh, But there's this Christ who's the savior of us all. So that's what he learned. And I think as we, you know, those of us in that tradition study, we realize that, you know, it's about your willingness to be used um, by the God who loves every person. That is absolutely correct. And one other thing that is very important to me is we learn walking with God, not only not to fear people, but to fear and, and honor God, but we learn that even our enemies right. are not enemies. They're, they are, in fact, prisoners of the evil one and God wants to use us to bring them to the cross and what an amazing an amazing uh, opportunity and job God is giving us and we we have to understand that we don't do this on our power but on his power what would you say to a people that might not see People that reject God or even make fun of Christians or if I might be abusing to Christians, what would you say to them in the line of those people are not your enemies? Right. They- yeah, I, I would say, well, again, because all of us, because of our own sin and rebellion, have been enemies of God, if you will. And look what he did for us. I mean, the message of the Bible for every, anyone who's listening is that God sent his son and God, I, I like to use the word, chased us down. Um, you know, Psalm 23, where it says, that, um, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's really surely goodness and mercy will chase us down. So the God of heaven, who actually we rejected, chased us down so that we might be saved. Well, if that's who he is, and I now know him that way, 
Why would I treat someone who doesn't know him? You know, as they're just like me when I didn't know him. And so again, I want them to get to know him. I was at a, you know, the work I do now is is not so much evangelistic. It's more just working in keeping thing, the church's voice free. But I was at a protest, one of the protests where the, you know, overturning of Roe v. Wade. And they were, there was a few uh, pro-life people in the crowd. And I was just there to kind of see what was going on. But anyway, I saw these uh you know, pro-abortion uh, protesters really attacking this one guy, and I want to help. Well, finally, at the end of the di- the dialogue, I just said to the one person or a couple of people, I said, "Why do you think we're here? Because there's no fun to be like only one or two of us in this crowd." Um, they said, "Well, I think we you're here just to mess things up." I said, "No, we're here for you." We're here because your life has value. We're here because we don't want some government agency to be able to define your life as superfluous or your life that could easily be taken away. And and I, when we said that, there were these two or three people said, we never we never thought of it that way. You mean our life has meaning and purpose? And they said we used to think that way, but thought that wasn't the way you're supposed to think anymore. And so. That was when we finally said, we're no different than you. It's not like we have all the answers, but our God does. And he says your life is valuable. And we're here to actually say that to you in the middle of this protest. It just blew their minds. And I just said, that's what we're here to do. And so that's how we treat our so-called enemies. They're not our enemies. They're just people who don't know the God who loves them. People need to know and understand that they are loved before we tell them that their behavior is not correct. I It's so interesting because I have the same approach when I talk with gay and lesbian people. Right. And when they, they feel the need to be aggressive or something, uh, many times I am telling them, I'm here and I take the risk to talk with you to be abused, you know, to hear right. the words that you said, because I love you. Because I really believe that I, you need to hear the truth because you will hear the truth. If not today from me, it will be later on from others, but you will return to God with so many bruises, so many uh, luggages, so many wounds that I don't want you to have them. I want you to make that decision. And they stop and think for a little bit yeah. about what, what I said, because they have value. They have purpose. And at one point or another, in, it's interesting. God never puts scenes in different levels. Right. You know, if you eat too much, if you work <laughs> too much and neglect your family, and you, if you uh, don't believe in God or you are gay or lesbian, it's a sin. All of them are sin. For God, it's the same sin. And that's the reason why he died for all of us. So if we understand that, we have more compassion for these people. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, because like I said, in our our way of talking about it is the big issue with humanity is sin with a capital S. Uh, We all have different sins with a small s, but that's just like a sneeze. You know, uh, a sneeze is just uh, something that happens when you've got a virus inside the body. The virus is the big issue that God deals with. And and let's just use it in another context. When I used to tell people you shouldn't live together, so like a man and a woman. So let's even if we let's depoliticize this a little bit. 
I would say if you dishonor God's view of your life, marriage, you know, intimacy comes after commitment, leave and cleave, and then you become one, you know, uh, you don't have sex after the first date. I said, you're destroying your capacity for intimacy every time you rebel against the God who loves you. And he created you. He ordered you, and now he's even coming to say, I'm redeeming you. And so you and I get to come and say, we're, we're just like you. We're 100% sinners, just like you, who have 100% Savior, and he wants better for you. So identity politics, which I deal with a lot on the Hill, I keep saying, you're never going to resolve this identity stuff through politics. Uh, it's only going to finally be the identity you have in the Lord who loves you. And once you start to understand your identity in Christ— then you can even start to deal with the struggles you have in your behavior or or the sins you face and all those kind of things. And even then, your sins actually open you up to offer the grace of God to other people when you have common struggles like they do. So you, I'm like you, Virginia. I you know, ministry kind of it makes you you make sure that you're actually able to say this is about this Christ I'm sharing with you because I'm I've got the same struggles as you do. Identity in Christ is so important, not only for people to learn they don't believe in God, to understand who they are, but also for us as Christians. Because one of the things that all of us from time to time will do, will try to compare ourselves with others. When God created us unique, and sometimes people will say, oh, but I didn't grow up like you, or I don't have the skills that you have. But each one of us, God, richly, if we look around uh, talent and skills and position and sphere of influence, he gave us specific, specific reason for our, our purpose. What would you say to someone who will say, oh, I... I just don't have this and that. And how would you help them to discover the skills and talent and the purpose that God has for them? Well, first of all, like you said, don't compare yourself to other people. I mean, um, you you really don't know what's going on in their lives. I mean, they may look uh, successful on the outside and they may be coming all apart on the inside. I remember when Jesus challenged the Pharisees of his day who looked on the outside like the most successful people of all. Jesus said they were whitewashed tombs. They were decaying on the inside. Uh, You don't want to be decaying on the inside, that's for sure. But again, you know, like you said, um, the Bible talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12. We're we're all all part of the body of Christ, but the body of Christ has many members. And so even the church was struggling with, well, why can't I be the hand? Why, why do I have to be the foot or what? You know, I'm using metaphorical terms now, but, you know, the, the, why do I, why can't I be the more valuable part? And, and he, we're warned, you know, hey, don't compare yourself because God is the one who gives you these abilities. And then he makes you, he brings people into your life that you can uniquely serve. And so if your identity is in Christ and your joy is in the unique people you get to serve, I think you stop comparing yourself to others and then you just say, Lord, do whatever you want to do with me. And I think that's the key. He's the one who abundantly gives. Um, and he, once you have your identity in him, you, you don't start looking at other people because that's now saying my identity is in comparison to them. And after a while, that's just a fool's game. 
I guess, you know, that's why I think Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff has been so destructive because it's taught people to start comparing themselves to other people rather than joyfully serving the people that God brings into their life. And it's also funny that marriage is on the decline. Uh, marriage used to be the first place you you tried to figure out how to love somebody that wasn't like you, you know, and you committed yourself to that. And then that taught you how to love. And then next thing you, know, you had children and friends and all this kind of thing. Well, we're giving up on all that and we're starting to play this uh, blame game and compare game. And folks, it just doesn't work when sinful people are at the at the helm. Yes, and I believe it's so important when you start to understand the purpose and the skills and talents that God has for you, no right. matter what other people will say, you will remain on those grounds. I, I, I know my, from my own experience, I fought against a, a huge dictator, a, a horrible dictator who right. had absolutely everything. But because I knew that I was there for a reason and for a purpose, I was able to, or I, I allowed Christ to build in me the lack of fear, the fear for the Lord, and to shine for Him. Um, I'm used to say it, and it's true. I was a troublemaker in Romania. I'm a troublemaker here, you know, <laughs> people and doing things. And it's important because when you know for sure that this is the purpose that God has for you, that will keep you grounded no matter the circumstances around you and no matter who will say what? You know, you might have parents that, that will say, well, I will disown you, like in my case, or friends, they will turn their back and everything. But you will find Christians that will become part of your family. And you have yeah, I think, I, well, let me just jump in on that, because when I went to New York, our church was a small church in the middle of millions of churches in New York City. And I kept thinking, why did God send us here? And then when we went to California to train people, we trained people from all over the world to do urban ministry. And I was like, why, why us? Why, you know, we're not, yeah, we, we bring our passion. We try to bring our competency. We try to strive for excellence and all those things, but God could use other people besides us. And, and so, like you said, once you start to realize that it's the spirit that relies on him and is awed by the people that God sends you. I had a friend, his name is Zhao Yu Li. And if Zhao Yu, if you're listening, uh, Jason is what his American name was. And he was one of the pastors I trained. I found out his family disowned him for being in my program. I didn't know anything about that when he was going through the process. And he's now one of our best pastors out in Los Angeles. And I just think of the fact, he just said, but how could I, once I knew who Christ is, how could I deny him? And I think that's the power that you're talking about. And that's the power that all of us who know Christ, we know. It's about who he is. And so, again, don't be afraid of the circumstances. And if you're trying to empower the people you serve, even if they don't want it, which is what I've learned in urban ministry. Uh, I, in fact, had one guy say to me, you don't belong here. You're not part of us. And I said, well, I was sent here, so I'm not leaving because I, I care about this community, too. Then they start to see you as an authentic voice, and you never know what will happen. Yes, exactly. And the influence that you will have and when they see Christ in you, it's important right. because and the way you respond in love that right. will, you know, many times I'm thinking only in heaven I will know what, how much uh, my response in love to my people that hit me and, and ter uh, terrorize me and, and torture me <laughs> right. in, in, uh, 
interrogation room and how many of them I remember telling them I don't like what you're doing but God loves you and I choose to love you and they would turn their hands because they were crying when you share Christ's life the Christ love that is supernatural. It doesn't come from your uh, holding your hands and hoping <laughs> for no, no, no. It's supernatural, and people are able to see it. In uh, those circumstances, God changes lives. Yeah, that's uh, the God. Um, Father, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The gospel is a proclamation of freedom that He earned for you. And like you said, we're trying to just let them know the door of their jail cells been already opened. <laughs> yes, exactly. And don't right. do anything to yourself. You know, it's the the uh, the disciple who, uh, if you look in the Bible, did not run and thought that, oh, I am free. The the jail it's uh, it's open. I'm free. He started <laughs> right. to look at people around him and help them. The God who wanted to kill himself. So that's the compassion that God is giving us. And it's not for the Old Testament to read it, for the New Testament to read it, is to see it in Christ's children's and Christ's followers. So it's, a, I will say it's an amazing journey. But it's mm-hmm. not always easy. I don't want people to think that no. um, walking with Christ is an easy way. You you can lose your job, but Christ will provide another one. You can lose your family, and Christ will provide you a family of his family. You can lose a lots of things, but you have forever eternal life. You have to right. think that this place here is temporary. It's for a few years, and you have something much better. Yeah, I, I remember once someone criticized us one time, saying, "Oh, you Christians are all you care about is heaven. You don't, you're not really worried about what's going on here." And I said, "No, if all if we care about heaven and we care about what what our final destination would would be, that makes us even care more about what we're doing today." I said, "The, the challenge today that we're up against is there's a philosophy called nihilism. I would say it's called secular statism." And they literally believe that there's no meaning to life. There's just power. There's just state. There's just 80 years and you're dead. And I said, you know, I'd rather (laughs) people who think like that, they don't live to empower other people. They don't live joyfully today. That's us. And so again, folks, understand you've been given not only the view of, of heaven is my home, but that actually changes how you joyfully live today. And I think that's what God wants us to be in the middle of the chaos, folks in the middle of the chaos, not away from the chaos. We're not supposed to withdraw. Uh, We Lutherans talk about dynamically uh, getting involved, but making sure we understand how God wants us to be involved. And so dynamic differentiation, jump in. But like you said, for whom? For the people that, you know, that need to know who God is. And uh, that uh, is what we do. That is so true. We are living um, um, a significant life. Because right. we invest in others and a successful life according to to God's principles. Yeah, on His and terms. Yeah, that is, and it's a life that will have influence even after we are not going to be here. You said it in such an amazing way. Well, we are so grateful for your presence here. We want to um, let our audience and our view- viewers 
to um, know exactly where they can find you, where they can get in touch with you and everything that you might want to share about your ministry? Well, all I would say is, uh, and I think it's on this cup that I have, it's lcrlfreedom.org, lcrlfreedom.org. And we're the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. We, we tend to block now. What we're doing is trying to keep your voice free, but you still got to be the gospel voice of Christ, the law gospel voice of Christ in the public because people need to hear it. And I'm Virginia, I'm just going to say it again. Um, you asked me, how would I encourage people? Well, Romans 12 says, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as living sacrifices. And I always tell people, do you got a body? <laughs> if you got a body, then God has already given you uh, certain skills and abilities uh, to, to be useful to, in his hands. Jump in. And uh, all we're doing in Washington now is protecting the churches, the schools, the ministries, so that they can be in the public square so that people can hear this good news. So join us, get to know us, lcrlfreedom.org. Thank you so very much, and I hope that each one of you will go there. You will find uh, lots of information and resources, and uh, if you want to help them, that will be wonderful. Great. Again, we are so grateful for each one of you being here at our Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time. We love for you, whatever you want to listen to, Edify Podcast Network, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Player uh, FM, or you can watch it on YouTube video. If you have any questions or if you want to learn more about how powerful God can be in one person, and that person can be under five feet tall, you can read uh, Saving My Assassin, my memoir. I hope it will encourage you to follow Christ. You can find the book at virginiapradanbooks.com slash product slash book and you can buy it there i am assigning your book with your name and with freedom is precious because christ died for our freedom until next time we uh, hope to receive your your questions or your uh, your comments and I hope that you will have the opportunity to go to the website and to check out Gregory Selt's um, website and ministry and learn even more. We will put the entire bio on, uh, on the website and you will find out more about their ministry. Until next time, God bless you. Bye-bye.